and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1. I've titled my teaching tonight, Today is a Good Day to Have a Good Day. And two reasons why I picked this one. Sheila's sister, Aunt Betty, loved this phrase. And two, it's about today, because all we have is moments, right? And we want to maximize our moments and live life to the fullest and sing so the back row hears us, right? I also have a subtitle. It's called, What is Your Why? There was a German philosopher named Friedrich Nietzsche who once said, He who has a why can endure any how. Knowing your why is an important first step in figuring out how to achieve the goals that excite you and create a life you enjoy living versus really just surviving. And that's a lousy feeling to feel like you're just surviving and getting by. You know, we, want to get, we don't want to get by. We want to get better. We want to make our better best. Only when you know your why will you find the courage to take the risks needed to get ahead, to stay motivated when the chips are down, and move your life into an entirely new, more challenging, and more rewarding trajectory. So let me ask you a question. What makes you come alive each day? Just something to think about. When, you heat, when your feet hit the floor in the morning, what makes you come alive? The word inspire comes from the Latin meaning to breathe life into. Accordingly, when you are working for, toward things that inspire you, it literally makes you feel more alive. <laughs> what makes you come alive isn't referring to taking a dream holiday or watching Notre Dame or Buffalo <laughs> or Cleveland Uh, win a game. It's bigger than that. (laughs) I'm talking about a why that moves up the food chain from being about you to being about something bigger than you. It's about you being about something bigger than you. It's about connecting with what you're passionate about, knowing that when you focus your attention on endeavors that put a fire in your belly, you grow your impact and influence in ways that nothing else can. And this is about you connecting with something bigger than you. And we all have something bigger than us that we know. We're so thankful for, and we heard from God tonight. But the why is the purpose. It's the cause of belief that drives every one of us. You know, if you ask me what my why is, my why is Sheila and my family. You know, when I get up every day, besides God, you know, that's what keeps me going too. It's my family. And there's a lot of us in here that uh, are family-oriented. But to do your best so that I need... And there's three things that I need to be able to do during the day that I need in my life so that I can perform better in the world. Whether it's taking care of my family, whether it's starting my own business, whether it's whatever it might be, whether it's being a minister and ministering to people. And the three things I want to cover tonight is, one, we all need something to look up to. And manifestations tonight was so great when 
God telling us that, I mean, he's our rock, that we can always count on him and look to him. We need something to look up to. The second thing is we all need something to look forward to. And the third thing is we all need someone to chase after. So let's take a look at the first one, something to look up to. And that is God. Why would we look up to anything else other than God? Modern man is sophisticated, but he still yearns for an intimacy with a higher being. People in the world today make their gods nowadays usually celebrities. Uh, They jump up to the opportunity to get chummy with athletes, uh, with beauty queens, movie stars, excuse me, and presidents. I mean, take your pick, but that's where the world looks, looks to. But think about this for a moment. I'd like to get to know Nick better. He's a man of God. I saw him the other night at fellowship minister to somebody, and that person got healed. Doesn't that make a whole lot more sense than finding an athlete to look up to? Yes. My gosh. And that's the same for every one of you in this room. But their gods are feeble. <clears throat> their heroes are turning out to be villains, presidents, congressmen, and TV evangelists. Their heroes disappoint them. Their super beings have feet of clay. <laughs> We hold forth the promise of fellowship with a perfect, immutable, omnipotent God. And the scriptures are clear that there is but one God, the sovereign of the universe, the creator of all that is. He is incomprehensible, yet knowable. He's transcendent, yet he's imminent. God is the one we look up to. That's the first thing that we need in our life, to look up to God. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. Wouldn't it make sense to look up to the, to the one who created the heavens and the earth? Yes. That God in the beginning. Doesn't say Phil in the beginning. It says God in the beginning. God in the beginning. He created the heavens and the earth. It makes sense to get to know him. Look in 1 John chapter 4. In verse 5 it says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him there's no what? Why would we look unto anybody else other than God? In him there is light and there is how much darkness? None. Zero darkness. Zero darkness. Look in Numbers chapter 23. In verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God is not a man that he should lie. I want to read another translation to you. It says, God is not not a human who lies, or a mortal who changes his mind. When he says something, he will do it. When he makes a promise, he will fulfill it. Why would we go anywhere else other than to God? Since God cannot lie, we can, we can count on Him. We, can, we know that He's going to do exactly what He promises in His Word, that He's perfectly reliable. He's always steady and stable. He's never fickled. He doesn't vacillate. That is His faithfulness. His Word is infallible and unfailing, without error. So it will surely come to pass. Let's look in 
Psalms 36. If everything about God is true, then he has no alternative but to be faithful. God is omnipotent. He put the stars in space. He has no reason to be unfaithful. God never changes his mind, and he never loses interest in you. Pretty good, right? Yes. He doesn't lose interest in you, or you, or you, even me. Psalm 36, uh, verse 5. Uh, Dylan, you want to read it? Psalm 36, 5. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. God's faithfulness reaches unto the clouds, unto the skies. I mean, how faithful is for that? I mean, that is faithful. We don't have to question whether or not He's going to take care of us. He will. Otherwise, His word's a lie. We know that He is not a man that He should lie. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, in verse 3 it says, But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you, fix you firmly, and keep you from evil, the evil one. <laughs> God will protect us from the evil one. We don't have to be concerned about that. Again, His word is truth. He doesn't lie. If He says He's going to keep us and protect us from the evil one, then He will. So we need to put our trust in God and know that He will take care of us. It's pretty simple. You know, we, we make it difficult. We make it more difficult than it needs to be, but it really is pretty simple. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You know, we heard in manifestations today that, or tonight, that in, in, in two of the manifestations about Jesus Christ coming back. Let's look in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body preserve blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he, God, that calleth you, who also will do it. God is faithful. If he says his son is coming, he's coming. We don't have to be concerned about it and worry about it. If God says he's coming, he's coming. God's word says he's coming. We've seen it in, in the Bible. We've seen it in his first coming. When all those great men in the Bible, Abraham, David, you know, the Magi, all looking forward to that first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he's coming back. Which brings me to the second point. We need something to look forward to. And that's something that we look forward to is the hope of Jesus Christ's return. So let's turn to John chapter 8. The last act of Christ's first coming was his ascension. And the first act of Christ's second coming will be his dissension for the church of the body, the born-again believers. Hope is always future, and it's love that activates both our believing for the present and hope for the future. And in John chapter 8, verse 56, It says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Abraham was a believer. He was looking forward to the first coming of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, he didn't get the opportunity to see him face to face. 
but he knew through revelation that God had given him that Jesus Christ was coming the first time. And he did come. Look in Matthew chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. They saw the star. They had great joy. And they were the Magi, right? And they followed that star and they got to see Jesus Christ as a, as a, a newborn. And they got to see the first coming. So the hope of the first coming kept Abraham going. It kept the Magi going. It kept David going. And that's what they look forward to. You and I have the hope of the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have something to look forward to. Phil, did you get to listen to that song I sent you the other day? Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In verse 13, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that which ye are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We get to comfort one another with, the, with these words of the hope. Look in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. We don't know when it's going to happen, but that's none of our business. We just know that it is going to happen. Why? Because the Word of God says it's going to happen. In verse 2, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not... I just read verse 3. Let me go back to verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. If a thief was going to rob your house, you think he's going to call you up and go, by the way, Mike, listen, I need you out by 3 o'clock because I'm going to rob your house. Nope. No. He comes like a thief in the night. And one day, one day, the Lord Jesus Christ will come back and it'll be like a thief in the night. And we'll all be gathered together. Verse 5. So we're not in darkness. Let's read verse 5. You're all the children of light. And the children of the day, we are not of the night and nor of the darkness. We are not in darkness, right? We are of light. There's no need to worry. Jesus Christ is coming back. You know, when, uh, when uh, Mike and, and Grace got together and decided to have children, all of a sudden, a child came. It just came, right? Jesus Christ is coming back. And there's nothing you and I can do about it. Uh, there's nothing better than to know as to be born again of God's Spirit and to be in the household and to know that with the return of Christ, we're going to meet Him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But in the meantime, the third 
uh, piece of the puzzle comes up that we need somebody to chase after. You know, there are so many famous people in the world. You may know their name, but it doesn't mean that you know every detail about their life and what they are really like. You know, there was a time in all of our lives when we knew the name Jesus Christ. I mean, I grew up going to church and heard about Jesus Christ, but I didn't know him. You know, I did not know him. Someone who lived over 2,000 years ago, but we didn't know him in detail. And there are so many people that know, you know, I was listening to Grace say that you, you guys on Thursday were going to have a conversation about moving the word. There are plenty of people out there that don't know Jesus Christ. They might know his name. They might not even know his name, but they don't know him. They don't know him like we know him because it's God in Christ in us. So we need someone that we can chase after. And there was a time, like I said, where we didn't know him, that so many people don't know him or heard of him, but they don't know a thing about him. Let's look look at Luke chapter 2. Let's take a look at Jesus Christ, someone to chase after. And why do we want to chase after him? Because we we can become more Christ-like every day. But is anybody in this room or anybody that you know going to be just like Jesus Christ? No, so it keeps us hungry. It keeps us chasing after somebody that we know we're not going to be like, but we can be better and become closer to more Christ-like. So it gives you that motivation to keep chasing after him. Not to get discouraged that you won't be like him, because think about it. There's so manifestations today and tonight. Unbelievable. Have you ever laid hands on somebody and prayed for them and watched them get delivered? We can be Christ-like. Right? But we have that person, that, that example of who to chase after. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And when he was 12, 12 years old, how old are you, son? Uh, 13. 13. He was 12. And what... <laughs> And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. He wasn't asking them about, you know, he was asking them intelligent, smart questions that astonished people around him. But they found him in the temple, verse 48. And when they saw him, they were amazed. Imagine that they were amazed. He's 12 and they were amazed. And he said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Verse 49, And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? Jesus Christ at 12 years old was about his father's business. He knew. You know, we know who we are. God has called you. He's called you by name to be part of this family, to speak God's word to people, to be more and more Christ-like every day. The first time Jesus spoke, this was the first record, recording of him speaking. He was asking intelligent questions. And where did he get those from? 
He got them from the Word of God. He studied the Word of God. You know, that's where he got, you know, got things from. He studied the Word. He was about his father's business at 12. <laughs> Verse 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in the favor with God and man. Increased in wisdom. He grew in knowledge to get more wisdom. Look in Psalm 111. Psalm 111, verse 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is in the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. We have to come to back to God's Word. That's what we do. We go to God's Word. We study it. Why? So that we can, we can get more knowledge. And what's wisdom? Wisdom is knowledge applied. You know, you get that knowledge, you take action on it, and you develop wisdom in your life. Right? But you have to come back to the Word to get wisdom. And his mission was to do God's business. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, it says, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. His calling was to do the will of, the God, the will of God, to do God's business. Pentecost came and uh, Holy Spirit became available and you and I have that opportunity to be born again of God's Spirit. And we can walk more Christ-like each day. Look at 1 John chapter 3. In 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. It says, Beloved, now, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that we shall be, beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But it says now we're the sons of God, right? In John chapter 14, in verse 12, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And we'll close in Matthew chapter 3. But Jesus Christ did great works, but guess what? You and I can do great works too. Because it is God in Christ in you. In Matthew chapter 3, in verse 16, it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Is there anybody in this room that wouldn't like God to say about you, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased? You and I could be just like Christ. We can be more Christ-like every day. And he was about his father's business. 
We don't, you know, we mentioned about New Year's and things and goals, but think about that for a second. We don't need a new year to do resolutions. We just need a new day, right? We don't have to wait for a new year to show up. We just need a new day. So three things we covered tonight that I want you to keep in mind is one, something to look up to. God is who we look up to. Something to look forward to, the hope. And something to chase after, which is Jesus Christ, our brother in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says in verse 6, And hath raised us up together and made us together in heavenly places to sit together in heavenly places. God has raised us up to sit in heavenly places. So today is a good day to have a good day. God raised us up. We're seated in the heavenlies. And you want to get to the place where you have that strong why in your life? The first thing, first things to do are those three things that I talked about. Look up to God, have something to look forward to, and someone to chase after. And you'll see great things come to pass in your life. So, Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for the way you love us and take care of us and watch over us. And I thank you that we could be more like your son each day and be about your business, doing your word. And as we continue to study it and speak out, that we receive it, we retain it, and we release it. So I thank you for this night, this fellowship, for each person in this room, for everybody online, and for all those who didn't make it tonight, for blessing them abundantly and watching over them. Thank you, Father, for keeping everybody safe and healthy. And again, I thank you for your love and tenderness. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.